0: Three words or three things that a husband loved to hear from his wife was, you're right, we need a new TV, let's go buy one. But I, I don't know, I digress, that was a commercial years ago, I thought that was the greatest commercial because it's three things you'd never hear my wife say to me, that's for sure. So I'm glad to see everyone out this morning, I'm glad if you're online with us, we're glad that you're there, uh, hope that you uh, enjoy the service this morning. I hope that you've enjoyed this series that we've been doing on procrastination and this idea that I'll, I'll do it tomorrow isn't really going to pay off in the end, and I hope you've learned some things, but before we jump into that, I want to invite you to pay attention. Next week, we're going to start a new series, and this new series is going to deal with hospitality. We're going to take a look at hospitality in the Bible. We're going to go back to some Old Testament stuff. We're going to look at some Old Testament hospitality, and we're going to talk about how that relates to us in our modern context, with what's happening to us with lockdowns and with health issues in the world, and how do we still become hospitable Christians to the world around us? And so we're going to look at that uh, the, over the next couple of weeks coming up. So make sure that you are present or tuning in for that as well. Now let's, uh, let's go back to this procrastination series. I, I think that it's been very good. I've enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I hope this series has given you guys some food for thought and some things to contemplate. I know as I went through it and as I was preparing it, it helped me kind of realize some things in my own life and that I procrastinate on that I need to put forward. I can't say that I've changed those things yet, but I'm working on that. And I hope that it's, it's challenged you and encouraged you to look into your own life, to, to look out into your life and make some changes in your life. Maybe even just some subtle changes into this new year so that you can grow in a deeper relationship with God. But I I think we still have one unresolved question about procrastination and about sanctification about how we change habits and stuff. And that, that is, how do we change habits? How do we make this change in our lives? Is it Is it by some sort of supernatural experience we have some sort of miracle wash over us and we just suddenly are changed? Uh, Is it through hypnosis or is it through constant study and prayer? How do we make these changes in our lives? And, And maybe the better question is not how do we make these changes, but what is our part that we play in making changes in our lives? What is our part? What is it we do to make changes in our lives? And I think the best answer to these questions needs to stress the power of habits and the power of habit creation in our lives, as well as the power behind decision-making and the decision-making process in our lives. But I'm getting ahead of myself, so I want to back up for a minute. Let's start with our scripture today, and we'll go from there, okay? So if you brought your Bibles or you're at home, go ahead and open up to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be... In First Timothy chapter four, verses six through nine. Paul's writing to Timothy to, to guide him and help him understand better how it is to minister to the people. And in first Timothy chapter four, starting in verse nine or verse six, I'm sorry, he says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. First Timothy and Second Timothy, but that tidbit right there is is a juicy little tidbit, right? That is good stuff right there. That's that's like, that's like getting that like perfect piece of steak and chewing on it for a while. That's good stuff right there. What he's talking about. And when I read this, it just took me back to a place, and I started thinking about when I was between my freshman and sophomore year in high school. It was the summertime. And I was playing baseball, and we were playing in a city league. And I wasn't the, really good at baseball, but I played because my friends played. And I remember we would always have these tryouts for baseball, and you'd go for like a week, every night for a week, and you'd try out. And coaches were out there picking the players they wanted. And it was kind of like a draft selection, and they drafted the players. Well, like day two into the tryouts, I got hit in the face with a ball during warm-ups. And I, was wearing, I wore braces back then. And, oh, man, my, my face just swelled up. And, um, and so I, like, I didn't remake it to, like, the next two tryouts because my face was all swollen and I was all black and blue and bloody. And I made it to, like, the last day of tryouts. Not that I was going to get drafted really high, you know. I might have been Mr. Inconsequential. But, but I didn't get drafted on a good team, that's for sure. And I ended up on this team of kids that we had no pitchers. Nobody on the team knew how to pitch. And we were basically the bad news bears. We got a coach two days, I think, or three days before our first game. That's, That's how bad we were. We didn't have a coach. Didn't have enough coaches for all the teams. And so we didn't have a coach. And finally, one of the kids' dads said, I coach baseball at a high school level. I'm done for the season. I'll come coach you guys. So he came and he coached. And we, we lost the first game. I mean, I think we had two practices before, and we, we lost the first game pretty bad. I, I mean, I think it was a stomping, like 18 to 1. And the 1 was a fluke, you know. And the second game we lost pretty bad as well, if I remember right. But we didn't lose another game after that. The whole season, we went undefeated the rest of the season until the final. And we, came, we were the runners-up for Yuma County for our age group. I wasn't very good at baseball. I was was okay at defense. I could play center field. I could throw down to home plate and get it there in one hop. That's not bad as a teenager. I was a good backup catcher because I had that, that arm, so I had that speed to throw down to second. But my batting was horrible. I had more strikes than I had balls on my record. I swung at everything, and I connected with almost nothing. Every ball that came at me, I swung at it. It didn't matter if it was going to hit me in the head. I swung at it. So one day in practice, the coach was like, Robert, you're one of the biggest kids on the team. You should be our cleanup hitter. But instead, man, we're like, we, we've got you down there like seventh or eighth in the batting lineup. He goes, we need to work on your hitting. So I said, all right. So I did hitting drills for like two hours of practice, hitting a duffel bag, learning where the sweet spot was on the bat, learning where the sweet spot was over the plate, learning where the sweet spot was to connect the ball. And then when I got done, I couldn't lift the bat anymore. I was so tired. Then he started pitching balls at me and said, now hit them. And I did a little bit better. I wasn't grounding out so much. I was getting some balls in the outfield. I was doing some stuff. By the end of that year, I could place my shots. He had me picking right field, left field, or center field. I even was batting fourth, which was cleanup for our team, and I hit one ball 375 feet out of the park, which was pretty good for a 15-year-old. I was excited. If you've ever played baseball or or any kind of sport like that, you you have a coach, and the coach comes along, and they teach you things. They, They taught me how to hold the bat, how to stand, how to bend my knees, how to turn my head, how to keep my eye on the ball, how to make connections with the ball. They coach you in things like that. See, the coach guides you in the nuance of the sport. They train you in the right way to play and to position your body and how to do it. I think that would go for any sport that you play or any kind of game that you play or anything that you're doing in life. And that's what God is in our lives. God is like this coach in our life. He he looks at us. He's not teaching us baseball, but he's teaching us how to stand. He's teaching us how to prepare. He's teaching us what to say, when to say it, how to say it. He's teaching us what to read. See, God's word trains us in right living. I think that's what Paul's talking about. We, We aren't told only not what to do and what not to do, but we're told also how and when. Paul even says, for the Christians to train yourself for godliness. And Paul adds that while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value always, today and tomorrow. That's important. That's important stuff right there. Though Christian growth isn't just about self-discipline, it's not just about training, it's, it's about habits. And habits are a powerful part of how we change as believers. Describing a holy life, theologian Richard Foster says this, he emphasizes the virtues of habit, saying, virtue is good habits we can rely upon to make our life work. Conversely, vice is bad habits we can rely upon to make our life not work, to make it dysfunctional, as we say. So a holy life simply is a life that works. We are creatures of habit. In fact, our habits tell us more about ourselves than what what we tell people we believe. People see what we're doing. Our, our, Our wants and our longings and our desires are at the core of our identity of who we are. They're the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. Our daily habits must be shaped by spiritual disciplines that recalibrate our hearts into things that God desires. Things like prayer, meditation, reading scripture, praise, worship, and other disciplines that that can shape our habits to train us to live godly lives. You've you've heard people talk about that before, where whatever it is that you're focusing on is what is going to come out. It's the same idea. If we're developing those good habits, it's going to show in our actions. Think of somebody who's talented in an area for some reason, whoever it might be that you think of. Perhaps it's, it's somebody who can catch a ball one-handed or somebody who can hit a ball out of a park or perhaps it has nothing to do with sports at all. Maybe it's somebody who's really good at chess or really good at board games or really good at another game. Or perhaps it's a musician who seems like they could just pick up an instrument and play without even trying. Perhaps these people are talented. Perhaps they have some sort of innate talent. But I promise you, they didn't get to the level that they're at without first working on some habits in their life. The person catching the ball didn't just wake up one day and be able to catch a one-handed ball in the NFL or to hit a home run. They worked on it. The musician didn't just pick up an instrument and start playing a song. They worked on chords and played chords over and over and over, developing the habits. When I think of a person, I instantly think of Odell Beckham Jr., who is a football player. And I think of 2014, when he was on the New York Giants, and he made the impossible catch. It was unreal. Unreal. One-handed, leaping backwards, twisting around, catching the ball off of the fingertips of one hand. Unreal. Beckham's amazing talent wasn't just luck. It wasn't just happenstance. It didn't just appear. He worked on it. It was something he practiced over and over and over. The catch that seemed natural to him came from hours of practicing to make the catch. For when the opportunity came, he was able to make it. He had developed a habit. Habits that cultivate spiritual formation bring about change in our lives. They don't generally do this overnight. Change doesn't usually happen that quickly. But they do change us. Over time, habits become second nature. We begin to see the change in our lives from the inside. I was always impressed living as close as I did to California with the Navy SEALs. I had friends in the area that had become SEALs. Um, I knew people that were transferring out of the military that had been been SEALs. A lot of them are trained to skydive there in in Yuma, Arizona. And so I was always impressed with their training regimen. They train extremely hard for very long periods of time because what they do has to be second nature. It's habit. They're training habits into them. So if habits are how we make changes in our lives, both positive and negative changes, how do we start making new habits in our lives? How do we do that? This is where the power of decision comes into play. We don't always realize how powerful decision is in our life, how powerful it is that we make choices. The simple fact that we don't choose to make a choice on something is making a choice. That's how powerful it is. We make choices all the time. Our brain is about the dumbest thing I've ever met. Yet it's the smartest thing. Our brains like stasis. Our brains like quid pro quo. They're not quid pro quo, but they like the steady stream of constant they don't like things to change. They like, they like habits. They like to know that, oh, this is what we're going to do today, and this is how it's going to go, and then tomorrow will be a repeat, right? Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. That's what our brain's like. And we tell ourselves that doing the same thing over and over every day is good. It's normal, and it creates a regiment of discipline. Our brain is wrong. Science is showing us that doing the same thing over and over and over, day in, day out, sitting in the same chair, sitting in the same place, going to the same work, driving the same way to work, eating the same things, day in, day out, every day, is numbing to the brain. It's not challenging. And in some cases, they've linked it to the diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia. Our brains need challenges. Our brains need change. I'm not talking about some of you who found a new game on your phone to play that challenges your brain. I don't buy that stuff. I don't believe that really works. Our brains though, they need to be challenged. They need to be sharpened, like steel sharpened steel. We need to think for ourselves. But our brain likes stasis and it is strong. So we must force it to change by making decisions by making conscious efforts to change. We must choose to do things. We must choose to follow Jesus. We must choose to get off the couch and exercise. We must choose to practice spiritual formations. We must choose to read our Bibles. We must choose to do what God is coaching us to do. It all comes down to something so simple. Change does not just happen to you. It is not some sort of supernatural experience that you're going to have. It's not something that's done by hypnosis or some sort of magical overlaying. It comes because you choose to change. Today is a new day. 2021 is a new year. It is not what 2020 was will you not choose to change this year? Will you not choose to change your life and follow Jesus today? If you need help with that decision in your life, that's fine. Nathan and I are available. If you're online, look us up on the website. Our our email addresses are right there. Contact us. If you're here today and you need help making that decision, we're here. Talk to us after church. We will help you walk through those steps perhaps though you've made that decision some time ago but now find yourself stuck stuck in the funk of stasis not developing the good habits that you need to develop contact me or nathan talk to us after church contact us online let us know that you're struggling with that we can pray with you we can help you we 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 know a little bit about coaching I know I've coached some little league teams before. We know a little bit about coaching, and maybe we can help you get to the next step and free you of the old habits that are slowing you down, that are hindering you, and blocking you from following God's plan for you. Won't you join us in 2021 as a changed believer seeking a loving God so that your life and your world will be a better place? Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings you've given us, and we thank you most of all for your Son, Christ. Your Son, Christ, who went on that cross and shed his blood for our sins. Powerful statement of change. One that rocked the religious world then and rocks the religious world now. Lord, put it on our hearts to change our lives, to get away from our old bad habits, our our constant norm. Step into something new with you, challenging, something that will help shape our future where we will be closer to you, We will be stronger Christians, and the world will be a better place because of it. It is in your son's name that we pray. Amen.